Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Joshua chapter 23, if you could go to verse 3, and um, this is a verse in which every time we went into it, I kept saying, um, man, I'm going to preach it. God is speaking this word to me. God is speaking this verse to me. And I don't know if I've ever done something to this magnitude like this to preach one whole message or thought or whatever off one verse. For some people, they would... (laughs) They wouldn't like that, enjoy that. But for me, I'm going to be honorable to what the Lord is sharing in my heart with this one verse, which is Joshua chapter 23. And it's verse 3, and it's a a scripture that doesn't leave me, and it's this. The New Living says, you've seen everything that the Lord your God, this is Joshua speaking. You've seen everything that the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. The Lord your God has fought for you against your enemies. And then the new King James says, you've seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. Where the ESV says, for your sake, for the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. How many of you could relate to this? What God has done for you or for your sake and he's fought for you. Amen. And this is a scripture for the, for the last five weeks, a scripture for the last five weeks now that hasn't left my mind. And we've read it over multiple times throughout this We Will series that we've, that we've been in. One in, in which we've read, and I know that at some point God was going to call me back to it. And it's the end of Joshua's life, if you remember. We went over that every time we read this verse. It's the end of Joshua's life. And why is it important? And, and how many times... <laughs> Have you heard me say this? Anytime someone is speaking at the end of their life, it's always important. When they're giving their last words, people have written books and books and books of Jesus' last words on the cross. Because those were important seven last sayings. These are important words because Joshua is passing down. This is why it's important. Maybe you didn't understand this the first five weeks when I was saying it. The reason why it's important is because... In Joshua's last words before he dies, he's passing something down to the next generation. You guys remember when Jacob got prayed for, when he should not have gotten prayed for, it should have been Esau in a sense, and he did the whole trickery to his father. His father, his last words, his last prayer was passing down something to his son Jacob. And this is very important. Jesus' last words while Mary was at his feet with John, he was giving his last words to his mother and to the apostle John. So, so the last words is a passing down to the next generation in a sense. So it's the end of Joshua's life and what he does is he calls all the elders together. He calls all the leaders from the tribes of Israel. That's what he's doing. And he's speaking his last words and he's offering his final advice. And like I just said, he's passing down what originally, this is so important, was passed down to him. Do you understand the, do you understand the inheritance of being able to pass down something that was passed down originally to you? And, and especially when it deals with something spirit, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little example. I'm wearing my grandfather's thin little gold chain. It's my grandfather's thin little gold chain. This is my grandfather's thin little gold chain. But I love this thin little gold chain because it was abuelos. It was my grandfather's thin. He's not with me no more. He's gone. But he's 
he, it was his, he used to wear it every day. And I remember when he got older, I said, Abuelo, you know, I would love to have something from you always. You know, maybe that little chain of yours. <laughs> you got to be wise too, you know, if you're going to take something from him. <laughs> but, but I'm not going to say I was his favorite grandson but, or grandchild, but, but um, no, I'm just playing. I'm not going to get into that. But I, I love my abuelo. Me and my abuelo had a, a, a good relationship. Me and my grandfather had a good relationship. I was his first um, um, grandson. So, so I had a good relationship with abuelo. And, and, and as he got older, he gave it to me, and it always meant something to me. Um, when I was young, it meant something to me, and even now it means something to me. And it's just gold, really. It's just gold. But it, it just means something different because it was my grandfather's chain. And one day, this little inheritance is going to be passed down to my son. And one day I hope he understands that the ability to pass down something that was passed down to me, it's a greater honor for me to pass it down than it is to receive it. But I will lose the, I will lose the blessing of passing down something if I lose that which has been passed down to me. Many people live this life losing what has been passed down to them. And they never have the the thrill and the ability to one day pass down to someone else. Listen, I'm not trying to say that I don't have much to pass down to my kids, to be honest with you. But I pray that the greatest thing that I could pass down to my kids is through the lens of morality, through the lens of spirituality, through the lens of my faith. Because those things are priceless and worth than any chain, than any diamond, than any houses, than any property, than anything that anyone could pass down to another generation. And, th and that's, if I don't have that, I'll never be able to give that. You know, you can't give what you don't have. You understand that, right? You can't give what you don't have. So for me, my walk with the Lord is so important because one day at the end, on my last breath, I'm going to give my last, I, 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 I'm really looking forward to that day. I'm not looking forward to hurry up and dying in a sense, no. I don't want you to confuse that, but I am looking forward to the honor to say that if I live to be old, I could say I know I'm gone, call my family in one by one. I got my last words for every single one. Because I want to leave, I want to give an inheritance with words. Um, Eleven years ago, I was driving with a man that I consider has a tremendous gift of prophecy. And that man has poured into my life an inheritance. He spoke something into my life in his car on the way to a fireworks show on 4th of July in North Carolina. And to this day, that man, that's the only thing really he's done for my life. But it's one of the most important things that anyone has ever done for my life. Because he'll never know how important his words were for me 11 years ago. That till today, I still remember his words and I still remember exactly how he said them and what they mean to me today. And I always run back to them. Listen, there's an inheritance in that. There's a blessing in that. Are you with me? So Joshua is calling all the elders and all the leaders. And he's passing down what has been passed down to him. And he says that to him, right? You've seen everything that the Lord has done in my life for you. You've seen everything that the Lord has done in these nations for your sake. He's fought for your enemies. And what an honor, everything that he's saying in Joshua 23 and 24. But you know, as I read that statement... I thought about this, and let me get into this now. I'm going to preach off one verse. But I thought, I thought about this when I wrote that. I wrote this. You know that you can break generational curses and begin to pass down generational blessings? 
my God, man, you don't understand how much I feel about this stuff right here. This has like been like the theme lately around us, around me and my wife and our fam. You can break generational curses. How? How do I begin? By begin to pour generational blessings. I thought I needed to anoint my house with oil. And I thought I needed to go into a hibernation state of fasting and prayer. And I thought I needed to get every demon off my back. Are you a child of God or not? I'm going to tell you today that, that this is what the Lord started to speak to me. That I can break generational curses, but it's going to begin by passing down generational blessings. Why do I say that? Because Joshua right now is doing something that is very important. He's passing down at the end of his life a generational blessing to a people that all they knew from their generations before them, from their fathers and their father's fathers, was either slavery in Egypt or what? Being lost in the wilderness for years. And for the first time ever, they're in a land, they have a name, they're a nation, they're a people with government in place, with a leader named Joshua, and he's giving them identity. He's giving them something that they've never had from generations before them. And what are they receiving from Joshua? No longer curses and whips from their masters or lost in the wilderness, but this land is your land never heard that from past generations, right? Because this is a new way of living now, Joshua is saying. And I'm taking you from everything that your parents and your parents' parents knew. And they passed down curse to curse to curse. Some of us in our families live like that. We live cursed and cursed. And then you get married and your marriage is cursed again. Why? Because you're just in the same cycle of generational curses. And I'm telling you that the number one place and how to break generational curses is by saying I know who I am in my identity with Christ I will begin to break curses with blessings this land is your land and this is such a powerful this is such a powerful thing because for some of us all we know is the cursed lifestyle all we know is the getting beat all we know is the enslaved mentality all we know is the lost mentality and Christ is like no I've given you a land to identify with I've given you something so to be a blessing, and not only a blessing for yourself, but one of the greatest things that you would recognize about Israel is you're not even supposed to be a blessing for yourself. Do you know that Israel as a nation wasn't even supposed to be about Israel as a nation? Israel as a nation was supposed to be a blessing to all the other nations. What does that say about us? If you continue to live in your cursed mentality, there is no way you're going to be a blessing to any kind of nation. So what happens is, Israel wasn't even about themselves. Israel, the whole makeup of Israel was for nations. It was one nation among many nations to bless. Israel wasn't, I'll beg to differ. All these people are like, that's why Israel's a blessed nation. Listen, I feel like some of our theology is very wrong about Israel lately. You want to read about scripture? I don't even think Israel's really meant to be the blessed nation. I think Israel was always called to be the blesser of nations. The nation that blesses nations. And I'm going to get to my point. How it all depends and all leans on one person. And that's what I'm talking about. And I want to start off with this breakthrough. And this generational curses. Because you can break them by passing down generational blessings. Can the breakthrough begin, listen. When you choose to bless rather than to curse. Please, I hope this settles in your heart. Bless rather than to follow habits, mindsets, and traditions of generations before you, which was to live in the same unending cycle of curse. Okay, I'll keep going into this. 
maybe your unending curse cycle will begin to open up new roads that will set you off on a different path of blessing. But the shift, can it be that it may just begin when you start to discipline and train up your mind to think in ways it has never thought before? How about most of the cursing that you feel you carry, how about it's because of the way that your mind thinks? And if I just change the way I think, that might just change the atmosphere and how I live. That's very important to understand because what is Paul saying when he writes this in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5? Paul writes this. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. How many of you have read that verse before? And, and, and what Paul is speaking about here is, have this mind among yourselves. Is, is, the, is actually the mind of Christ. <laughs> like, Paul's not like, just have a good mind. No, no, Paul's like, have the mind of Christ. And it's yours. It's found in him. I like the, the way the new King James says it. He says, let this mind be in you, I love this, which was also in Christ Jesus. So you see the similarity there? I have a mind that was also in Christ Jesus. I share not an inheritance with Jesus. I share, uh, I know I, we've gone over this, right? We sit in places, we reign with Jesus, all these different things that we know in Scripture. But part of that is I also have the mind that Jesus has. The same mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, so the, I looked into, into this word a little bit. And the Greek word for mind in this verse is phreneo. And it means this, to exercise the mind. I love that. So that means that to exercise the mind is the mind, just like your body, is to be worked out. You don't just wake up and say, I'm just going to let my, like, if you just wake up and say, I'm just going to let my body just eat whatever I want and do whatever I want, let my body become whatever it is. Well, you're not going to get, you're going to get the, the final product of that which you put into your body. And if your body will give you the final product of what you put into it, I'm going to tell you the same thing, that your mind is going to give you the final product that you put into it. So that in how you exercise your mind will eventually become that in which your mind reproduces into I promise you it's true, and it's, I've experienced this personally. Freneo, to the mind which is also in Christ Jesus, as Paul says it, to exercise your mind. Another way of defining this is to entertain, to have this opinion, this sentiment, and entertain in your mind. It comes from the, Greek, uh, it comes from the root word in Greek, which is called frein. Freneo and frein, and frein means this, the Faculty of perceiving and judging. So this mind, it's like, it's a living thing, man. It's a living thing. It's, a, it's, it's working and it's active and things are happening in here. And, and sometimes what we don't even recognize is, this is a true story about, I want to share with you. Sometimes while we're sleeping and we're at rest, it's when it's working the most. So I woke up this morning because my mind was at work last night. And I said, Tito, you were in multiple dreams throughout my night. Tito, this is weird. Tito's in my dreams. He's a sweetheart. What can I say? 
And I said, you're in multiple dreams in my night, but every single one of the dreams was good, and God was doing something amazing in every single one. I don't know what that means, but let's have a good time today. Let's have, I don't know what I said. Let's have a blast in Abba's presence today. That's what I told him. Because for some reason when I was at rest, God gave me these dreams of great things. And, and, and I shared it with him because he was in them with me. So my mind is always working. And my mind is to be exercised. So I come now to recognize what Paul is saying here. And I say, and I have to ask myself this question. Do I think like Christ throughout the day? And do you think like Christ throughout the day? Maybe I should say it this way. Is the mind that is in Christ, is it also in you? How would you answer that today? The New King James Study Bible says this quote right here. I'm going to quote them when it comes to this verse. It says this, right thinking produces right actions. And our actions are the fruit of our deepest thoughts. Right thinking produces right actions, and our actions are the fruit of our deepest thoughts. Romans 12, 2. How many of you read Romans 12? It's teaching us that there's a transforming, a transformation that occurs in our lives. And, I, and I, I, pop, pop quiz here for a second. How does this transformation occur in our lives according to Romans, Paul? Romans chapter 12? Huh? Thank you. How, how does transfer? I just want a transformation. I just want a miracle. I just want a transformation. I just want to break this curse. I just want to start living blessed. I just want a transformation. Well, Paul goes into this teaching in Romans 12 that there is a transformation that occurs. And the way that it occurs is by the renewal of your mind. So, so what I'm saying is, is our continual demonstration of actions, even cursed actions from generations before us. Can it be due to a lack of knowledge that if I begin to work and exercise my mind to think right, then, then I will finally begin to act right. Man, I feel like none of you are with me. I hope it's because you're receiving this more than falling asleep on me. So here's my, how, do not raise your hand for this. Weird if you do. How many of you are not acting right? And this is not about behaviors right now necessarily. This is more, look, this is not more about the surface, about the sofa being out of place. This is more about ripping, ripping the floor out and checking what the whole entire house is built upon. I'm not trying to move furniture around and, and move shelves around. I'm, so when I say things like, how many of you are acting bad? I'm not trying to move your pillow from one side of the couch to the other side. I'm trying to tell you that maybe your actions are not just a pillow that is moved in your sofa. Maybe your actions is because it's deeper than that. It's your thoughts that are actually wrong, which now your actions are acting upon what your thoughts are thinking. So wait a minute. I'll never begin to live right and be a blessing if I don't begin to start to think right and think like blessing. And, 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 I, and you have to really really see that for yourselves and what that looks like in your life. I'll say this again. Ready? Is your continual demonstration of actions, even cursed actions from generations before you, be due to a lack of knowledge that if I begin to work and exercise my mind to think right, then I'll finally begin to act right. What happens when I come to this understanding, to this knowledge? Here it is. It will then affect the lives that I live before. Some of my greatest Some of my greatest wrong 
I don't even know how to properly say that in the English grammar right now, but whatever. Some of my worst actions among the people I lived before are not even about the actions. They're actually about the root issue in the mind. I'm just talking about myself now. And then I start to recognize that wasn't right because it came from this place which wasn't right. Is your continued demonstration of actions, even cursed ones from generations before, due to a lack of knowledge that if I begin to work, exercise my mind to think right, then I'll finally begin to act right. So what does that do now? In effect, the effect of it is now your life, how you lived before, it begins to affect the people you lived before. Listen now. And it also affects the generations that follow you. And they now will be affected by a life that now is acting right and a mind that is finally thinking right. You know what I want for my kids, man? And it's, it's my everyday prayer. Lord, let them see lives that are living right and minds that are thinking right. Why? Because I lived, I lived in households that lives weren't acting right and minds weren't thinking right. And for the last thing in my life is I want my kids to live like that. It's the la- that's the greatest danger I could do for my children. So I need to think right and I need to do right. Why? So that they could see a model in which to follow. So that they would see a mind in how it should think. By how, 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 did, how, would the, how will others see how, I, how my mind works? You want to know? Having a conversation with you. By the decisions you make. By your judgments. By your counsel. By your advice. A healthy mind leads to a healthy body. To healthy actions. And we begin to break the curse and we begin to, I guess we could say, and we begin to bless. So my thinking right will cause me to act right, which will automatically now become a blessing to others. Are you with me? This whole message is not even about anything else but you becoming a blessing. It's about you becoming a blessing. How many of you know that God is calling you for more? All three of you? Amen. Watch this. Those three that raised their hands, check this out. The call to more is to be a blessing to many, to be a blessing to others, one person at a time. So you serve someone, so you wash someone's feet, so you pay for someone's dinner, so you walk them down the road, so you, so you carry a person's garbage, so you, so you give that person, I don't know, God will show you, he'll open up the window. So you pray for that person, you visit your neighbor. How many of you have a neighbor and you don't even know what their name is? You haven't even invited them to dinner yet. Invite them to dinner and let them know that they're living next to a man and a woman of God. That if something were to go down, they got a place to run to. Oh, shoot, I didn't even think about that. My neighbors could know that I could pray for them. Yeah. But we live in that. Oh. Come on, break the curse and be a blessing. Invite your neighbor. All right, let's go into this. Ready? So we find ourselves in Joshua chapter 23. And Joshua's last words and last act before the nation of the Israelites. And listen to this. He's charging them at the end of his life here in chapter 23 with what was first charged unto him. If you remember this from five weeks now in chapter 1. What is Joshua doing in chapter 23? Everything they, oh man. Come with me. What was, what was Joshua doing in chapter 23? He's doing in chapter 23 everything that he was obedient to in chapter 1. He's, what am I saying? What is he doing in chapter 23? He's giving a generation everything he's been obedient to 
starting from generation chapter 1. That's, that's powerful. I want to give to my children in chapter 23 everything that I began to become obedient to in chapter 1 on that great day. Joshua's really blessing my heart more than you ever know. And I hope it's blessing your life. We've learned this, that we will never have any kind of effect on an individual if we are giving them an instruction, if we're giving them a charge that we ourselves are not faithful to carry out with our own lives. If I tell my son, stop smoking weed, and yet he knows that in the backyard dad is smoking weed. If I tell my son, you shouldn't watch that movie, and then he knows because he creeps up in the middle of the night and sees what dad is watching, I can't. <laughs> if I tell my son, you, can, you, you see, if I tell others, and, 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 and this is things that God deals with us on a daily basis, I'll never have any kind of effect if I'm giving an instruction or a charge of any kind of thing that I myself am not faithful to carry out with my own life. You will live frustrated for the rest of your life if you're trying to get to someone to do something that you yourself have not been faithful to model before them. You'll live frustrated forever. You know what, you know what happens? Because I could say this stuff because it's me. It's, because, it's been me in, in my life. I'm 37 now. I've lived through this. When I want someone to do something that I myself will not be able to do, you know what happens? I'm just going to talk to myself now for a little while. I start to complain. I start to complain about everyone. You will live complaining, frustrated, and you will eventually give up. Because your focus will be on others and what they're not doing rather than on you and what you're not doing. Let me tell you something here for a second. Mary modeled a life at Jesus' feet. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Martha began to get what? Frustrated. She began to complain. She modeled a whole different life. Why? Because her sister Mary was not doing what she thought she should be doing and what she wanted her to do. So what does Jesus do? He deals with her complaint. Not by dealing with Mary. He deals with her complaint by dealing with Martha's heart. Because why? The only reason why Jesus is dealing with Martha's heart is not because Jesus is being rude or not being uh, co uh, uh, compassionate, but because he loves her. And what does he make Martha do? I want you, Martha, to look within and what you're not doing rather than complaining about what your sister's not doing. Now watch back to Joshua for a moment. Joshua's life does speak heavily to me. And here's my message now today. I have to give all that introduction to get into all this. And it should speak heavily to you. Because Joshua didn't just start a good race. He belongs to a company of others that also finished well. He didn't just expect and command others to follow. He modeled and led a life that acted right and thought right. And many leaders and many kings after him, you would look at through the scripture, they commanded many to follow when they themselves weren't right and weren't obedient. Now, if you look at the life of Joshua, you'll never see anything recorded of his life of some sort of major downfall. And I'm not saying that he lived a sinless life. But I do believe he lived a good life. Because the reason why his life was lived good is because he learned how to think right and he learned how to, to live right. So here's my point. So when he calls the leaders together, they're not forced to listen to Joshua, their leader. They're honored to stand before Joshua, their leader, and hear Joshua and what he has to say. There's one thing to be forced to listen and then there's another thing to stand and be honored to hear. 
Some people come to church and they feel like they're forced to listen. But then the transformation happens in your heart and you recognize, wait a minute, I'm no longer forced to listen to God. I'm now honored to hear from God. That's the difference. That's how I was in my immaturity with my pastor. For many years, I thought I was forced to listen to my pastor. And I disrespected my pastors behind his back. The best way I did it was holy chatter with other people about what my pastor is doing wrong. I'm just talking about me. And I told him last Sunday how much I loved him, so I made up for that. And how his life, my life has his fingerprints all over it. But, but God started to show me that your issue, speaking of him, has nothing to do with him. Of course he has things that are not all perfect in his life, just like you do. Your issue of speaking with him is your very own mind, your own thoughts, and your very own inside. And God had to take me to a place where I had to learn how to honor, to stand before men, to hear them, rather than to be forced to stand before men and listen to them. And the greatest place and the, and, and, and the, and the, and the greatest weight is when that deals with us standing before the presence and the word of God. There are two kinds of people that teach the difference between being forced and being honored. One, listen to this, one who has to always say who they are, what they've done, what they do. They have to speak for themselves to let others know what they have to offer and what they've accomplished. Maybe you know someone like that. That's a person that is forcing, that is forcing an identity so that others can see it. And then you have another person. And this person doesn't have to say anything. This person, listen to this, please, because what does this mean about your life with your own children, this life with your own friends, this life with the people that you mentor, this with the church that's going to come after you. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Then there's another, this is not even about you and your kids. This is greater. This is something big here. But then there's another person which doesn't have to say anything. Let me tell you this, ready? Because now others speak for them, and they don't have to speak for themselves. I love when Jesus gets baptized. Jesus doesn't have to say, John. Um, I'm Jesus, you know. I am the son of God. But God's like, I'll speak for you. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Do as he says. And everyone freaked the heck out. Did you hear that? Jesus didn't even have to speak for himself. But the father honored him so much that I'll speak for you. There's two kinds of people. The ones that always have to force and then there's the ones that others other things and other people will speak for them, will speak about them and what they've done and what they mean and how they're valued. That's the difference between someone that's honored and then that's someone that's forced. Are you with me? It's all over the Christian world. It's all over all aspects of leadership. Honor speaks for you and you don't have to speak for it. You want to know if someone lives honored or someone lives an honored life? Listen, don't necessarily listen to what they have to say. Listen to what the people closest them has to say about them. And then you'll recognize whether they're an honored person or not. I used to have a, I've shared this with many of you privately. I used to have a friend that used to teach a pastor's son who the pastor was known internationally. And the son would tell him, my father is not who you think he is. That scares me. Ah, he's just a kid. No, he's not just a kid. He's what's closest to his father, and he's not honoring his dad. There is a problem in that house. And time showed. 
Okay? Honor speaks for your behalf. In Luke chapter 14, 10, and 11, we see that, right? I think I give you the scripture. Let's put it up for a second. I don't have it here on me. But in Luke 14, it says, when you're invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when you are invited, he, he, he who invited you comes and he may say to you, friend, go up to the higher place. And you will have glory. You have honor in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. Verse 11. For whoever exalts, honors himself, exalts himself, will be humbled. And he, I'm sorry. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles, honors himself, right, will be exalted. Joshua lived an honorable life. I want to live an honorable life to the best of my ability. So what does Paul do? Paul too lives an honorable life as we spoke about Paul today. And what does Paul do? He writes to young Timothy at the, at the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. What is Paul telling young Timothy? I fought the good fight. I, I kind of gave you the answer. But I fought the fight and it was good. How many of you could say I fought and it was good? Since when is a fight ever good? But Paul says, I fought the fight, and it was good. That fight means that Paul died. Paul died, and Paul could have died multiple times. But at the end of his life, he says, I'm still here. I fought the fight, and it was a good fight. You know what else he says? He says, I ran the race. He says what about the race? I finished it. What else does he say? I've been given a faith. And what do you do with that faith? I kept it. Guys, it was a good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. And then what does he say last to Timothy? Finally, there's a crown that awaits me. And I will wear it. What is he doing to Timothy? I'm going to pass down a blessing. I'm not going to pass down a curse. I'm going to pass down a blessing. So here's Joshua at the end of his life now. And he's telling them, he's telling the leaders, he's telling the Israelites something so important. Here it is, right? You've seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. You've seen, you've seen everything that he has done to all these nations for your sake. And I'm guessing this is why I was led to say what I said last week when I said you're going, how many of you remember this last week? You're going to have to decide in your life who you will be for others. Are you, going to have, are you going to be one who pours and blesses others? Will you set your life and set a path of blessing or will you set it as a path of cursing before others? Joshua's life, repetitive, here it is, had Moses' fingerprints all over it. The Israelites, as they lived in their new land, had Joshua's fingerprints all over their lives. And I ask this question yet again like I did in week one. Who will have your fingerprints all over their lives. What kind of fingerprints will they be? How many of you have been pressed, but they've become fingerprints of curses in your life? Is that hard to answer? They've been curses to your life. The people that should have blessed you, all they've done is cursed you. And you carry that for the, you're in your 30s now. You're in your 40s now. Shoot, I've met 70-year-olds that are still carrying the fingerprint of cursing that was pressed upon them when they were in their teens, when they were eight years old, when they were... That's powerful. Because when it comes to us, who are we going to be for the next generation? One day, this, this, uh, one, uh, this is freaky stuff here. Watch this. 
And it happens like this, as quick as you blink your eye. I want you just to look at the, at the group that's here. One day, this group will not be here. When this group is no longer here, will there be another group that will continue what this group has left for them? And does that stuff not bug you out? It won't if we leave fingerprints of cursings. It will if we leave fingerprints of blessings. You know who it's going to be? For some of you, it'll be your children. Your, one of your children will be the future pastor and the future this and the future that. Think about what this means for generations, guys. What he's done for your sake. Are you, you're going to have to decide that. In Joshua's life, we see that. In the Israelites, we see that. And will you have, who will have your fingerprints? Fingerprints of blessings, of right thinking, of right acting. Listen, not instead of fingerprints of curses, which is continual destruction from generation to generation. And Joshua is telling them, what the Lord has done in my life, what is he saying? Was for you. What is Joshua saying? He didn't even take his life for himself. He says, what God has done in my life, it's for you. And what God has done in your life, it's for the nations. <laughs> what he's done to the nations, it was for you. And, and, and when you look at them, it's like it's not just for them because God gave them a blessing to, for the nations. And, 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 and here's the Israelites and here I am and here's Joshua. And my life was to be a blessing, is to be blessed and to be a blessing. And yes, it's supposed to be a blessing to me, but it's supposed to be more a blessing to others. A blessing unto nations now. In Joshua 23.3, he gives us this insight of what's happening. Man, look what he's done. He did it for your sake. Look what he's done for your enemies. He's done it for your sake. So it's not necessarily, don't get confused in the word. He's done it for your sake, but he touched enemies. He's done it for your sake in me. He did it in me, but he did it for your sake. It's all about others. It's all about the generation to come. I believe this with all my heart. It's because of Genesis 22 verse 18. It's because of what he told Abraham. He told Abraham what? In your seed, through your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because, Abraham, you have obeyed my voice. And Joshua's coming years later, and he's saying, the nations, for you, me, for you. So this had an effect on others, and this had an effect on the nations. And you go back to Abraham's promise, and God tells Abraham, your seed will be a blessing to nations. So Joshua to Israel is a blessing. And I want to say this to you because this is what I'm going to end with to make my last, and I guess my main point, Israel to the people will become a blessing. Joshua to Israel, who will you be? I want to kind of get into this for a moment. If you're taking notes, write this down. The word Joshua in the Hebrew, it's Yehoshua. Yehoshua. That, that's, a, that's a very important name, you know that, right? In the Old Testament, Yehoshua. For many reasons. It, it means salvation. Yehoshua. And he is the seed of salvation. Then in salvation, they were going to find identity. Yehoshua in the Old Testament, who is Joshua, is going to be vital for the Israelites. But then, in the New Testament, there's Jesus. And he pops into the scene. And his name comes from the root and from the exact meaning of what Yehoshua's name is. And his name is what we would call today in the American language, Jesus. But his real proper name given to him is Yeshua. Yeshua. Yehoshua 
and Yeshua. Yeshua almost sounds like Joshua. And it means salvation as well. I, I want to play, because this is the stuff that I do when I read the Bible. Can you imagine Yehoshua? Who's that? The day that he met Yeshua. Who's that? Can you imagine that day? God, who we know in the Old Testament as Yahweh, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Yahweh. Yehoshua meets Yeshua. Wow, that was loud. And what happens? Yahweh, God, gave me the name of his son. Yeshua. Like, that's mind-blowing. Like, he stands before the presence of God one day. And, 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 and here is God standing before him. And Yahweh looks at him and says, Yehoshua, my son, meet my son, the greatest seed, Yeshua. And both of them look at each other. Can you imagine what happened with Joshua that day? I have the name of God. I have the name of God. I have the name of God that has been branded and given to me. And Israel now would become a blessing to all the nations, not necessarily just because they're Israel. But Genesis 22 says, but because there was a seed that was going to be coming from Abraham and coming from this group called the Israelites. And because of the seed that would come from him, and if you really study who the seed is, it's not necessarily seeds. It's a seed that comes from Abraham. And his name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. And Yeshua is Jesus, our salvation, who would actually become the blessing for all the nations. These people that think that Israel needs to necessarily become a blessing to all nations, I think that maybe we got it wrong. Maybe it's that Jesus is the one, the seed, that is to be the blessing of all nations. Because I've met many Israelites that are not a blessing to any nation. They're actually some of the most crooked people. We can't just put them on that, just like anyone else in the world. Just like Cubans are crooked, some Cubans. And some, like Puerto Ricans, are, no, Puerto Ricans are all perfect, right? <laughs> but what I'm trying to tell you is it's a different, it's, it's not about necessarily a nation. It's about the seed that came from them. And his name is Yeshua, and his name is Jesus. By one seed in the Old Testament, Yehoshua, would come the identity, identity with the land that they are to keep. In the New Testament, we're introduced to the greatest seed, the seed, the root of David. Here he is. Yeshua, and he will continue to give identity like the Old Testament Joshua did. And he would also give a land like the Old Testament Joshua did that we are to keep. Joshua's like, all this land is yours. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And they're both giving us land. Yehoshua is giving land to the Israelites, and Yeshua is giving land to his beloved. And to both people groups, they're both giving them an inheritance. They're both giving them a land to occupy. One says, all of this has been given to you, and you've seen what the Lord has done in my life for you. And you've seen what he's done in the enemies for you. And Jesus says, behold, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And all that is the Father is mine, and all that is mine is yours. And what is Yeshua doing? The same thing that Yehoshua is doing. He's giving you a land to live and occupy starting now he's the new testament joshua he's the new testament joshua he is the new testament seed of salvation that's why they share the same names worship team we're done so now all of us here we share his name 
What are you called? When someone says, what religion are you? What are you called? What do you say you are? You're a Christian. You're a Christian. Did you notice the root word there? Christ. You're actually identifying your faith with a person. You know, I love that. You're, you're identifying your name with a person. This is powerful because as we see this, I share his name, I share his mind, and I say, I'm a Christian. What does that mean that I'm a Christian when they ask me, what faith are you? What, what, what religion are you? I'm a Christian, I guess I could say. What I'm really saying is I'm a, I'm a Yeshua. I'm a Yeshuaite. I'm a Yeshuanian. To say I'm a Christian is nothing different than to say I'm, I wish I knew how to say this in the Hebrew or in the Greek or whatever, but, but I'm a follower of Yeshua. To say I'm a Christian is to say I represent what Yeshua represents. I carry his name. So, so I think about Joshua being a blessing to a nation, the nation being a blessing to the nations, and eventually that blessing to the nations would come from Joshua saying it to them, them now releasing Jesus who will become Yeshua, and Yeshua now becoming the blessing, the proper blessing to all the nations. And now I say, now where's Yeshua at? Because Yeshua is sitting on a throne, the right hand of the Father. But the scripture also says that he sits on a throne, the throne of our hearts, the spirit. God lives inside of us. So I thought about that. I said, well, how will I be a blessing to nations? And it, I thought the Lord told me, well, it's easy, Regal. It's one person at a time. Why? Because you're a Christian. What does that mean? You are Yeshua-like. Christians comes from the word Christ-like. You are Christ-likes. You are like Christ. If it's offensive to you to be called Christ-like, then there's something wrong. You should have the honor to say, I am Christ-like. Are you? I am Yeshua-like. So I, I wrote this down. Ready? You should write this. Breaking, this is my call in life. This is your calling. Here it is. Here's your purpose in life. Breaking generational curses by being this generation's blessing. One person at a time. One person at a time. Oh, man, your vision is too large. You want to bless nations. Yeah, one person at a time. Today's message is titled, We Will Be a Blessing. One person at a time. Why? Because you are Yeshua likes on this world. So if Christ was a blessing to our nations and Christ lives in us, guess who the inheritance of blessings fell on? Yeshua likes you. It fell upon us. His last words, his last act, it fell upon us. The cross, the death, the death, the cross, the resurrection, all those things, it fell on us. And now what do we do? We carry that in this world so that what? So that we end generational curses by becoming this generation's blessing. I'll share a testimony. I was, I was worried about sharing it, but I hope you guys see the greater scale of me sharing it and not for any other reason. But I figured that this would be what God wanted me to preach, especially after last Sunday night. We were, my family was here from Key West, and my, we ate my nephew's food, and my nephew does not do well with change. So me and my friend ran to, 
to get Little Caesars for my nephew. And um, it, it was special because this is more about God and the lady than it does anything else. What God did in me was for them, for the nation. And um, so my buddy was with me, and, and, and I see two women, and they, their face looked like death. And one is going, and she's carrying this plastic container with bags, and, and you could tell she's just had a miserable day. I'm getting off the car, off this truck, and I'm walking, and I see another lady right in front of me, and she's doing the same thing, and she's struggling. She's very tiny. She's, she's short. She's shorter than Nancy. She's shorter than most of you. She was a very short lady. And I see her struggling. She's like carrying the stuff, and she's struggling. And I looked at her, and I said, Señora, yo te ayudo. No, 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 está bien. No, no, señora, yo te ayudo. Ma'am, I'll help you. She said, no, it's okay. No, I'll help you. And I told my friend, I said, go get the pizza. And I said, come on, where are we taking this? She goes, it's far. I said, all right, let's go. And we, and we make, a, we make a, a right at the corner of the little plaza, and we walk to where the dumpster is. And as I'm walking there, I'm like, what's going on? And she's, I'm going to say it in English. She's telling me, you know, I work at this salon, and me and this lady are a mess right now because our owner just told us that they closed it down on us, so we're cleaning out the salon, and we don't have nowhere to go. We're miserable. We don't have a job. We don't, we don't know what to do. And you could see death. Like, there is no hope for this lady. And here I am carrying her bags. Man, why did I ask her? <laughs> I don't have no, I have no, I don't even know how to help her. And, and I'm like, do I even have cash in my pocket? I'm like, shoot, I don't have cash in my pocket. And I'm just like, I don't know what to tell this lady. So I dumped the stuff. And she looks at me and she says, who are you? I said, that's a weird question to ask. I am a man. How <laughs> do I answer that? She says, who are you? And um, she says, I said, why do you ask me that? And then she says, no, I'm asking because um, I want to know who you are. Like, no one does this like this. Where are you from? No one ever does anything like this. I said, well, I'm from 117th and Miller. I mean, if you're going to ask me a question, I, I'm not going to go that deep. I'm going to answer your question. <laughs> and then my sister lives down this road, so that's why I'm here. And then I felt, maybe it was the presence of God just fell and just started speaking. And I looked at her. She goes, this is amazing. No one like this exists anymore. And I said, ma'am, it doesn't matter who I am. And I don't know where this came from. I probably have never said this to a human being in my life because it's weird. But yet... I'm learning to recognize that it's accurate. And I looked at her and I said, consider me an angel of God that God sent to help you today because he saw the day that you've had. And she starts to cry. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. My friend is still getting pizza. I'm in an alley with two women whose faces look like hell. And, my, and I'm like, this isn't good. I have two ladies crying in an alley with a bearded man and I just told them, I'm an angel of God. <laughs> this could get really bad if a police comes and says, ma'am, is everything okay? He's an angel of God. And he's... <laughs> so I got against the wall. <laughs> but thank God that didn't happen. So we start walking to the sidewalk. And, and they're like, we don't know what to do. And then I was like, let's stop. Let's pray for both of you right now. We're in an alley. I grab both these ladies. It could be my mother. My mother's age and I start praying for them Lord in Spanish because Holy Spirit you know the day they've gone through you know what's happening to them their store just closed down there's no hope they're miserable look and but you put me here to give them hope to tell them that I'm here for them 
to tell them that you're watching them. This is not a coincidence that I came at the same time that they were carrying the bags to help them, to tell them that I'm from you, to give them hope and, and all this. And then I was like, amen. And they both looked at me so confused. And I said, God sent me just to tell you that there's hope, that he saw your day. And he hasn't forgotten you. I just started talking to them about all these things. And they're just walking with me like, well, what? Where are you at? Where are? They literally, give me your number. And, and, I, and I was like, this is going to be weird. At least they're my mother's age. I can do this. And I said, I said, okay. And I looked at the lady that I started talking to and she was crying. She goes, you have no idea. And I said, what? She goes, you have no idea what this is. What's going on? I'm not a believer. I don't believe in this stuff. She's the Christian. Um, so God put me to the one that says, I'm not a Christian. She's the Christian. But I don't believe in any of this. And today, for the first time in my life, I said, God, you see what I'm going through? Send me an angel. And out of nowhere, you came to this valley and you said to me that you're an angel of God. And I said, I've never said that to anyone in my life. I've never told anyone, hey, I'm an angel. But that day, God said, I heard that lady in the middle of the night. She woke up because she got fired from her job and they're going to close down her store. And she asked me to please send me an angel. So, Regal, I'm going to have to have someone eat your nephew's food. I know he's going to get bothered by it. And your sister's going to get upset. Who ate Lucas's food? And everyone's going to get rumbly because no one knows where the burger went until his own dad stands up and said, I ate it and then I looked at the situation and I said, wait, we'll go to a Little Caesars and get pizza. And all at the same time, I, I was like, I don't want to go. I'm watching the all-star game of basketball. I almost told my friend to go by himself. But he said, come on, come with me. I said, okay, I'll go with you. And at the same exact time, at the same exact moment, I ended up parking right at the same place at the same time that a little Dominican lady couldn't carry a garbage because she needed to know that God heard her prayer and God sent an angel to tell her, there's a blessing coming your way. There's a blessing coming your way. And that day something happened to me. I had church on Sunday, but I'll tell you, Sunday service last Sunday sucked. Our worship was horrible. I'm not saying they were horrible. I'm just saying we did, we... I feel like we weren't there. Are we at church today? But what I experienced Sunday night, I felt more alive than I ever have on a Sunday morning in this building. And I'm the pastor of this church. That, that, that will make half of you never come back again. But I felt more alive at Little Caesars in an alley with two little ladies. And one of them said, I don't believe in you, but if you're with me, you better send me an angel. And I happened to run into this lady and said, I'm your angel. And when she looked at me with tears, she says, I asked for you today. Exact words were sent me an angel. I recognize God said, and that's your call. That's what I've called you for. This stuff is a bonus. But that's your call. Your call is to be an angel. A spiritual being in this world to break generational curses and be, start becoming gener this generation's blessing. You need to decide who you're going to be already. Will you be a blessing? Or are you going to still continue to carry your thoughts and carry your actions and live your life cursed? Break your curses by beginning to become, beginning to be a blessing. 
become a blessing and you will become more alive than anything i could preach and i could great things could happen but i promise you that right there was more powerful than anything and i said lord i'll take man i'm going to say this and I, you know what? i don't even care anymore i'll take one of those over a hundred of these i will take one of those tonight again over a hundred of these and that has nothing to do with you that has everything to do with how alive i felt for being someone else's blessing in a time where i saw a window an opportunity arise and i didn't even know it was a window that arise i was just saying okay god i hope it with the garbage and little did i know helping a little lady with the garbage was going to be helping a lady's soul and give her hope do you know what happened <laughs> my friend comes out with a pizza just like this and he does this I said, hey, let me give you a summary of what just happened here. I said, bam, 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 bam. She said, angel, angel, bam, 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 an angel of hers. This person is a Christian. He says, come to my church. She lived around his church. We gave him the address of the way. She looked at us. She goes, wait a minute. Many of you know Pastor Marlo. He comes and preaches here sometimes. Sandra's his wife. He goes, is this? Esta la iglesia. This is the church of Sandrita. Sandra's church. said Sandrita y Marlo she goes yeah I go that's my sister and she goes she just turned white she goes they've been inviting me to church for years <laughs> I'm like well I think it's time to go <laughs> the other lady my friend gave her the address the number and the little other lady the, the non-believer that now has the angel she's just staring at me the whole time when she sees that I'm done talking, she goes, okay, give me your number. I'm like, my church is in Hialeah, you know? Give me your number. I said, I'll help direct you. This is powerful. This is powerful because we get back in the truck. This, I, I wish we had cameras for these moments. We get back in the truck and we're just staring at them walk away. And they were walking. You've ever seen the movie? I'm a father, so I watch like cartoons. You've ever seen Trolls? You've ever seen the, what's the bad guy's name? They eat the hook? No, no, what are the guys that eat the trolls? You've ever seen the Bergens? You seen those guys? You seen the, that's how they looked. They looked like Bergens. When they were leaving, it was, it was the weirdest thing. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, uh, angel, come here. I'll do it up here. I'm, I'm the one that the angel got sent to. He, she's the Christian lady. We're in the truck looking and this is them walking away from us now we're in the car driving, and this lady who's not a believer is, to, is with this lady and they're smiling and they're walking and this is what you... I swear sit down I swear and I look at them and I say look 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 look, look how crazy this is it was like if I gave them a check it was like if I gave them money I didn't even have cash on me it was like if I said here and they're like wow this guy just blessed us with money but I left them an inheritance I left them something that I felt like silver and gold I do not have but in the name of Jesus stand up and walk and they walk and I said why are they they're walking away so joyful when they were so miserable just 20 minutes ago and it's because they didn't get a new job maybe they did the next day they didn't get great 
physical news that day that the store was going to reopen. But that day, they heard God show up. They saw God show up. And all they needed was to God to tell them, I still hold you. And I'm still working it out. I still have a plan. And they found hope in Christ that night. Because someone decided to be a blessing. Not for themselves. I didn't get nothing out of it. But I got everything out of it. I didn't get nothing from it, but I got everything out of it. I'm telling you, become a blessing. We will be a blessing. Can you stand with me for a moment there? Lord, I thank you and I love you and I honor you, Lord. As a church, as a people, as, as Yeshuaites, as Yeshuaans, as Yeshua likes, we are called to be a blessing to nations. So last Sunday I was a blessing to a Dominican lady. And maybe that Dominican lady is going to call the Dominican Republic. And maybe the Dominican Republic is going to hear this Dominican lady and how an angel showed up. And maybe two from that household will not come to know you. And little did I know that throwing away a little Dominican lady's garbage will now give hope to another family in the Dominican Republic. And one act of being a blessing is now touching people from a different nation. Things that we're not in control of. But we're just calling us to be faithful and obedient to. The greatest way of evangelism is not to do anything else but to serve someone and to be a blessing for someone. Maybe everything else will just repel people from you. And maybe the greatest and the only way that people would be drawn to you is by learning how to be a blessing and serving someone. And that is the greatest entrance and door opening opportunity of you being someone's blessing and giving them Jesus. Come on, you have to decide today, <clears throat> will we be a blessing? And if you could take that command today, if you could take that stance, Lord, it's going to start with my mind. Give me the right thinking. Let me exercise my mind right so that way I could start living out my life right. And that, that way for the generations to come and the generation that I'm living before, I will begin to become a blessing for them. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you today. We thank you today. And we praise you and we honor you. And it's in Jesus' name and together we say, come on, can you give God some praise?